Ephesians chapter 4, and just one verse today. And again, we're going to be backing up and looking at what we looked at last week, kind of the, the core of this, of this chapter. Uh, but this morning, just one verse, verse 25, and the word says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Father, we thank you so much for... Uh, for giving us life. God, this is the day that you've made. And God, we rejoice in it. And we rejoice that we can be in a place of worship. Uh, surrounded by other believers. Uh, with Bibles in our hands. And, and the freedom to, uh, to, to worship publicly. Without, uh, without any, any fear of, of harm. Uh, Father, what great gifts that you've given to us today. Father, we thank you for uh, a day of, of graduation, a week of graduation, a week of um, milestones. And, and Father, I pray that, uh, that the greatest milestone would be happening in our lives, the putting off of the old man and the putting on of the new. God, make us new. Make us visibly changed and new in every way through the power of Christ and through the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so last week, if you remember, we, we looked at verses 17 through 24, basically Paul telling us uh, that we need to, to be new, okay? Now, now what, what he starts off talking about is, is how all of these incredible things have happened to born-again believers. Remember in chapters 1, 2, and 3, uh, we looked for, for weeks at, at just all the, 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 the super things that have happened in a person when they, become, when they come to know Christ. Things like adoption, things like forgiveness, things like union with Jesus Christ, being joined to Jesus Christ, uh, things like... Uh, uh, predestined uh, uh, in, in the heavenlies and chosen to be holy and blameless and just all these great things in chapters 1, 2, and 3 that have happened in the born-again believer. Now, what a lot of people are going to say is but all those things are hidden. All those things happen in the heavenly realms. All those things happen inside of a person and that is true. But what Paul begins to unpack for us is that though all those things happen on the inside, they have visible effects on the outside of a person that, that everybody can see and everybody should see and you should have those if you're a born-again believer. So what God is has done on the inside of you should day by day be being worked out on the outside so that your kids see it and your spouse see it and your co-workers see it and your friends see it and your church family see it. You should have a visible manifestation of God's work inside of you coming out of you all the time. We've talked about wind last week. It's kind of like wind. Nobody sees wind, but nobody doubts this morning that there's wind, right? Because your hair went crazy when you went out, got out of the car, right? I mean, there were visible effects of the wind and there are visible effects of a person and coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so Paul says, because of that, what should be happening in our lives is that we should be putting off the old self and putting on the new self, okay? Now, if you remember from last week, Paul commanded us to put off this old man, put off this old self, and we do that by the renewing of our minds. The mind is key in this, okay? And last week in verse 17, Paul describes our minds before Jesus Christ, okay? In a lost state, separated from God, alienated from God. What does that look like? Well, it looks like thinking that is futile. Futile in the sense that it never comes to the right conclusions about the big things of life. Never comes to the right conclusions about relationships, about forgiveness, about justification about heaven, about salvation, all the big things of life. Uh, a man without Christ can't come to the right conclusion about those things because he leaves God out of the equation, all right? So if you leave the biggest thing in all the universe out of your thinking, then you can't come to the right conclusion about the big things of life. 
The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so if you don't fear God, if you don't start with a fear and honor and respect of God, you're never going to come to the right conclusion, all right? This is all still review. So, 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 so our wrong thinking leads us, remember, in verse uh, 22, to deceitful desires. Verse 22 says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, okay? That's our big problem, isn't it? We desire the wrong thing. I mean, that, that's where sin comes from. That, that's, that's where, we, where, where things break down. That's where temptation gets a hold of us. It's because we desire the wrong things. Where does that desire come from? That desire comes from a mind that's not saturated with Christ, that's not focused on Christ, that's not yielded to Christ. It, it, it's deceitful desires, desires that lie to us, desires that are based on a reality that does not exist. Okay, so so if in your mind, if if your thinking is that everybody should cater to you, that's the reality of you know, hey, you know, I'm I'm me, and so you should cater to me, and you should do what I want, and my family should all do what I want, and everybody should be you know just like I want them, and 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 if not, I'm angry. Okay, that reality just isn't real. Okay, <laughs> you know, you've made that up in your head. It's not it's not it's not true. It's not accurate. The reality where money solves all your problems. A lot of people live in that reality. They'll live their whole life working and struggling and trying to get more because. They believe money is going to solve my problems. If I had more money, then I'd be happy. If I had more money, then we wouldn't be stressed out. If I had more money, our marriage would be better. If I had more money, we could do more with our kids. If we had more money, our problems would be solved. That's, a, that's an inaccurate reality. Okay? And that reality leads to deceitful desires. It leads you to have desires about life that are not accurate, that are not real. They promise things that they can't deliver. Okay? The reality where revenge is right. Okay? If you have wrong thinking about the Bible, about relationships, about offenses, about pain, then you know what? You may have this reality where revenge is right. And, and so you want to take out your revenge because it's right for you to do so. And if you get hurt, you want to hurt back. And if you get hurt, you want, you, you want paybacks. That reality is a false reality because it promises something to you that it will never deliver. It promises you that, that if you just get back at that person, then you'll feel better and things will be good and you'll be satisfied. But you won't. It, it, it's a deceitful desire. It would be as if Tommy Heath tells me, hey, Pastor Jason, did you know that on, on, the, on the south side of Fort Supply Lake, there, there's an incredible saltwater reef. Got all these fish, got stingrays and, 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 and you know, just, just all kinds of tropical fish. It's just incredible. Belief. Okay, if I believe Tommy, all right, which would be a futile thinking, all right, so my thinking would be wrong. But if I believe Tommy and I buy into that, that's going to lead me to have deceitful desires. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get done here today, and I'm going to go home, and I'm thinking, man, what, what am I going to do? I don't, I, don't, I don't have to preach tonight, so I'm going to get my snorkel gear, and I'm going to go to Fort Supply, and I'm going to snorkel, and that's going to lead me to unfulfillment, right? Because I'll, I'll snorkel and snorkel and never see anything but brown and little chunky things flowing around that nobody really knows what they are, right? That, that's what's going to happen. It's a deceitful desire. And, and in the same way, thinking that leaves God out of the equation leads to deceitful desires, which leads to an unfulfilled life, which leads to sin, okay? So, verse 25 is the first application of all of this, okay? So, review, put off the old man, put on the new man. How do you do it? By the renewing of the mind, okay? And the first application is this, verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood. See, he's using the same, same imagery, put away. Okay, put off the old man. Put away. So what do you get? You're going to put something off. You're going to take something out of your life. And what are you taking out of your life? Verse 25, first thing, falsehood, lying. Okay? And what are you going to put on? You're going to put on the new man. What does the new man do? And then let each one of you, this is verse 25, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Let me ask you this question. Do you think it's significant that this one's first? 
You think Paul just had in his mind, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to illustrate this point of putting off the old self, putting on the new self, renewing of the mind. I'm, I'm going to do that through um, lies and anger and uh, work and generosity and the words you speak. And, you know, he lists four or five things. And, and it doesn't matter what order I put them in. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I can't prove what was in the mind of the Apostle Paul, what's in the heart of the Holy Spirit as, 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 he, as he inspired Paul to write this. But to me, I think it is significant that this one is first. Okay. That putting off lying, putting off falsehood, putting off untruths, and putting on speaking truth to your neighbor. I think it's significant that this one is first as far as the application of what this looks like. Why do I believe that? Well, several reasons. First of all, think about what lies are. Lies are a distortion of reality, right? Uh, falsehood is that which is unreal. It, 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 it's an imitation. It's untrue. It's deceit. A lie is a statement that's contrary to facts spoken with the intent to deceive, Okay? Lies keep people from seeing things as they are. If I lie to you about myself, then I I am keeping you from seeing who I am. Really, right? I'm creating for you a false reality. I'm trying to spin myself to be something that I'm not. Okay? That's a false reality. And so when we lie, think about this. Think about this. When we lie, what we're really doing is joining forces with the old nature, the old man, the devil, and the corrupt world. Because what are they doing? This is what we've been talking about the last couple weeks. The... They're, they're lying, right? They're creating a reality that's not real. We're, we're in league with the devil. We're creating deceitful desires, deceitful promises, deceitful threats, deceitful strategies. We're, we're joining the forces of evil against God when we lie to promote that in the world. We're doing the same thing that, that the devil does. You know, think, think about this. It, let's say there's a fishing tournament, okay? There's a fishing tournament at Kenton Lake. And uh, I tell you, you know, you say, hey, Pastor Jason, you ever fish? And because I don't want you to think, you know, less of me or that I'm not a man's man. I tell you, man, I, I, yeah, I fish all the time. I'm a great fisherman, you know. I mean, I, my uncle took me when I was little. And man, I, I got jigs and floaters and worms and your whole bit, man. I'm, I'm, I'm great. I, I, you know, let me tell you about this one fish I caught. You know, I tell you these stories about these great big fish that I caught, okay. And, and they're, all, they're all not true because I'm not a good fisherman. I'm horrible, okay. I, I'm very impatient. And so, like, five minutes, if nothing's happening, I'm like, why am I here? You know, I mean, I just, I don't, haven't got that. I hope to someday because I want to be that for my, my, help my kids to enjoy that. But just right now, I just don't, I don't have the patience for it. But, but I tell you that I do. Okay. You know what that's going to do? That's going to create a deceitful desire in you to have me on your team, right? You're there. We've got Pastor Jason on our team. He's a great fisherman. He, he only works two days a week. He's got all kinds of time to fish. He's incredible, you know? And, and so you have a desire to have me on your team, okay? Now, what's that going to lead to? That's going to lead to disappointment and disillusionment, all right? Because when the tournament time comes and I'm saying, hey, how do you put this thing on here? And how do you tie that knot? You know, I mean, it's going to be a bad deal, isn't it? Because I, I've, I've represented myself in a wrong way that led to you having a deceitful desire that's going to lead to a disaster. The same thing is happening in our life all the time with money, with pleasure, with, with everything. And so when you lie, you're a part of that. Does that make sense? You're, you're a part of what the devil's doing in the world when, when you lie. I think this is first in the application section. Also because this strikes at the heart of the character of God. Remember what verse 24 tells us about what we're, what we're going to be putting on? Verse 24 says, and put on the new self. Okay, now what's the new self look like? Well, look, look at verse 24. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What does the new self look like? It, it looks like God. 
Looks like the character. We're to be conformed in the image of Jesus. We're to become more and more like Jesus and less and less like us. And here's the great thing. Oh, this is good news. I don't know if you realize how incredibly good this is. God is not a liar. Isn't that awesome? God's not a liar. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. I mean, over and over again, the Bible emphasizes that God is not a liar. In fact, when Jesus described himself in John 14, 6, he said, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. He said, I am truth. Jesus is truth. Not just that he tells truth, but he is truth. In other words, Jesus accurately portrays who God is, who the world world is, who we are. You can trust God to accurately portray life the way it is. God is reality. God is reality. So I can trust that when God, what God says about marriage, that's the way it is. And I can trust that what God says about family, that's the way it is. And I can trust that what God says about money, that's, that's the way it is. You know, God doesn't lie. And so, so when God says something about life, when God portrays something about life, that's the way it is. When God says something about sin or forgiveness or the cross or life or death or the grave or heaven or hell or sex or pleasure or pain or purpose or my salvation, folks, it's real. It's real. It's reality. I can count on him. He'll not lead me to embrace something that's deceitful. Okay? Now, now while God is not a liar, here, here's the thing you have to understand. Satan is only a liar. Okay? John 8, says that the devil is a liar and he's the father of lies. Let me, let me, let me read that whole verse. Verse 44 says, you are, Jesus is talking, you're of your father, the devil, and, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth. He has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. Okay, you hear what Jesus is saying? He's not just saying, well, the devil lies every once in a while, you know. No, he's saying there is no truth in him. In other words, everything the devil does is meant to distort reality in some way for you. It's meant to deceive in some way. It's meant to, to give you a false impression about, about life. He says, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Folks, that, that is the nature of the devil is to lie. Satan lies about God, about Christ, about life, death, heaven, hell, marriage, relationships, joy, uh, self, work, works, children, money, all of that. Every, everything that comes from him about all of those things are a lie. And folks, if I don't know the truth about something, then I will act wrongly toward that thing. And so the devil's, his plan, his strategy in life is for you to see God wrongly and for you to see Jesus wrongly. His strategy is for you to see salvation wrongly. His strategy is for you to see joy in a wrong way, in a distorted way. His strategy is for you to see yourself. Man, how many people struggle with this? Seeing yourself in a distorted way. I have people all the time come to my office and they'll tell me, well, you know, this is just the way I'm at. I'm like, that's the way you Really? You know, I mean, really? You, you think that about yourself? I mean, that's, that's, that's the devil's strategy is to distort reality. And folks, if we believe that, if we believe wrong things about, about life, that will lead us to make wrong decisions that will be harmful and unhelpful in our lives. 
If I get it in my head that every telemarketer that calls my house has my best interest in mind and just just loves me and wants to sell me something that I desperately need, you know what that's going to lead to? That's going to lead to me being broke, first of all, and me having a timeshare in every state of the union except Kansas because there is none in T in Kansas. But everywhere else, I'm going to have a timeshare. I'm going to have exercise equipment that I don't use and will never use. I'm going to have all this stuff that I don't need. Because wrong desires lead to wrong decisions that are harmful to your life. Folks, this has always been the devil's strategy. In Genesis chapter 3, remember that? First first time we see a glimpse of his work. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are in the garden. There's a perfect world. They have a perfect relationship with God. Verse 1 says, The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say he's spinning his lies here? Okay. He, now, now, remember, a lie is, is not just an outright falsehood. Sometimes it's an exaggeration. Sometimes it's leaving out portions of the truth. Sometimes it's, it's subtly uh, shifting something in one particular way. And he says, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Listen to this, verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good from me. What's he doing? What's he doing? Well, he's lying, first of all, right? But what's his purpose here? He wants to create a reality different than the one... That is accurate, right? What's the accurate reality? God loves Adam and Eve. God created them. God formed them of the dust of the ground. Put them in a perfect place. Gave them a relationship with Him. Their joy and their eternal satisfaction are found in God. Well, what does Satan want to do? He wants to shift that. He wants to shift that. He wants to create a reality for them. He wants to to convince them that, you know what? God doesn't have your best interests in mind. Really? You're missing out. This thing over here that he has told you you should not do, man, that's the thing that's really satisfying. That's the thing that's really going to make you important. That's the thing that's really going to satisfy your ego. He's shifting. He's creating a false reality, and Eve buys into it. He buys into it and and takes of the forbidden fruit, and mankind falls into depravity for the rest of, of history. Let me just say this. It's a serious thing to lie. Do you get that? It's serious. Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs twelve twenty two says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 6, verse 16 and 17. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes. This is number two, a lying tongue. Listen to this. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. This is the scariest verse about lying in the Bible, I think. I quote a lot, especially to my kids. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Be careful. Let it sink in, please. But let's also be careful. Is that saying that someone who lies can never be become a believer, can never go to heaven? It's not saying that. This verse is in line with, let's say, verses like 1 Corinthians 6, 9 that talk about, you know, that this type of person will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
And what those verses are saying is not that, that if you've done that, you can't ever become a Christian, you can't ever be right with God. No, there is forgiveness. There's forgiveness in the cross of Jesus Christ, okay? But what those verses are saying is that if you live that way habitually, okay? If you're here today and you claim to be a believer, but you see in your life that you habitually are living in sin, and that, that's, that's your character, that's who you are, that's, who, that's, that you're, that's just who you are. Who you are. You habitually do these things that are against God's word. And there's not conviction in your life. There's not change in your life. There's not accountability. There's not struggle against that. That's just who you are and how you live. You know what the Bible says? You're not a believer. You're not a believer. You don't have Christ in your life. You know why? Because what are we talking about here today? Because the old self is not being put off. And the new self is not being put on. There isn't a visible evidence of your regeneration. That, that's, that's Paul's point here. The, 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 the person who's come to union with Christ and indwelt with the Spirit, you know what's happening in their life? The old self is being put off and the new self is being put on. And folks, it's a serious thing to lie. There's a connection between the condition of a man's soul and whether or not he speaks the truth. And you know what? We deal with it all the time, right? It's, 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 it's part of life. Man, it's everywhere. Whether it be outright deception or false statement or exaggeration or withholding certain information with the intent to deceive or breaking a promise. We live in a world of lies. And man, it's just, it's just everywhere. It's so easy. Isn't it? It's so easy. Let me give you an example. Last night, I was over at the casters. And uh, Jerry, is Jerry not here today? Uh, she's not here this morning? Man, she, she is the honoriest person in this church. Here's what she does to me, all right? Here's what she does. And I know this was a, the Lord must have got with her, okay, to test me, all right? She comes up to me, and she's got this lady, and she's like, Oh, Pastor, you, you know, here's my, uh, my, my cousin or my, my sister. I can't remember. It was, it was a relative of hers. And, and the lady, and they've, they've gotten together beforehand. The lady comes up to me, and she says, Oh, it's so good to see you again. Do you remember me? You know? All right, what are you going to do, right? I've never seen this lady in my life. You know, she says, do you remember me? Now, this happens to me all the time, okay? Because you know, you know what happens. People come to first service or second service, and, 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 and I'm doing a baptism. I don't even get to be out in the greeting. And they come by the door one time. I, they got five. Now, look, they've looked at me, you know, painfully probably for 40 minutes, all right? And, and I get one shot, you know, five seconds as people are going out to meet them, all right? And so I mean, well, my, hey, Pat, you know, this happens to me all the time. So I'm going through in my mind real quick, you know, 13 years at Lincoln Avenue. I'm like, I don't remember this lady, you know? And so finally I have to, you know, I look at her for a second. She's like, do you remember me? And I look at her for a second. And to God's grace, I said, ma'am, I really don't. I'm sorry, you know? And then she's like, oh, it's okay. Jerry set me up. You've never met me before, you know? <laughs> and then, then Jerry's like, hey, come do the same thing to her husband, you know? <laughs> so anyway, I did. He passed the test too, by the way. But it's it, stuff like that. Isn't that all the time? You know, another example, I'm, I'm trying to, we, we had to switch our vacation. We had a, we had it scheduled for June and anyway, it all fell through. And so this last week I've been trying to get camping sites from here into Kentucky, Ohio and Tennessee and wherever I got to pick up my family, just, just a, just a mess. And it's Memorial weekend. So nothing's open. You know, I mean, if anybody's got a site, it's like one site, you know, by, by the toilets or whatever, you know, and so, but I'm trying to get these sites. Well, I'm trying to book a, book a site in, in Great Smoky Mountain National Park. And I've been on several websites. I can't get a site. Finally, I find a website. I can get a site and it has in there number of people at your site, one to six. Now, see, that's a problem. We have this problem all the time, actually, motels and everything, you know. There's seven of us, you know. 
And so I'm like, what am I going to do? And so I call, okay? You say, internet, you know, it's on the computer. You can't, you can't, you know, talk to somebody. So I call. I call the visitor center closest to this campsite. And I say, ma'am, you know, here's my situation. I have five kids or seven of us. You know, I, I mean, they're, they're all, you know, they're 16 and under. You know, the youngest is two. I, I don't want to put anywhere. By you. There's not another campsite, first of all. And we can't, you know, we don't want to split up our family. And, and she's like, you know, that's okay. You know, she's like, that's fine. You know, they, they'll, they'll understand that. And it's okay. And, you know, I, you know, I was like, you're giving me permission to, you know, yeah, I'm getting, you know, so, so I've got, I got to lie on the internet, you know, <laughs> but I, I did my best. I guess I'm confessing here. I went ahead and put, you know, six, you know, but there's not an option for seven, you know, and I called and I asked and anyway, but there, there's stuff like that in all of life. I mean, if you'll begin to think about it, you're challenged every day on your truthfulness, aren't you? Every day. Why do people lie? John Piper had a great sermon. Um, and I agree with him. Fear and greed, I think, are the two main factors, aren't they? Fear, I, I actually think you could almost wrap it all up in fear. You know, I think, and greed, some of it, but, but, but fear and greed kind of go together. But, but man, we're, we're afraid of looking bad. We're afraid of losing money. We're afraid of physical harm. We're afraid of getting in trouble. We're afraid of embarrassment. We're afraid of losing face. We're afraid that people will know who we are and not like us. Isn't that right? People lie because of greed. We want more of something. We want to position ourselves to, to, to get something, to have something. Influence, leverage, power. Most famous story in the Bible about lying, Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Ananias and Sapphira. They sell a piece of property. They do like Barnabas did. They go up front. They give the money. They... They give the impression that they're giving this, the money. Clear, the clear impression, we sold the piece of property, we're giving everything to the Lord. They didn't do that. They kept back some. Verse 3 says, But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? That, that was the deal. Lie to the Holy Spirit. To keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. You say, well, that's not a big deal, Pastor. I mean, hey, the church is getting money. What does it matter? You know, what does it matter that these folks implied they gave more than they actually did implied that they were giving all when they really didn't well it may not be a big deal to you or me but god strikes them dead that's the end of that story i don't know if you ever ever read that in acts 5 what's the point there it's a serious thing to be a person of truth we got to put off the old man and put on the new man Where does that begin? It begins by being people of truth. It begins by being renewed in the spirit of minds. It begins, listen, listen, remember back last week? How how are we renewed in our minds? Remember what verse 20 said? But this is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you've heard about him, that you were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. Where does the renewing of your your minds begin? It begins with knowing Christ, okay? Now now think about that. How, How does knowing Christ, how does knowing the power and the glory and the promises of Jesus help you Not to lie. Well, first of all, when we value our relationship with Christ above all else, above money, above popularity, above status, above a better tax return, above not getting in trouble at work, when we do that, we would rather speak the truth and suffer the consequences than we would be in a broken relationship with Christ. Okay? So when you know, first of all, the glory of Jesus, okay, that that helps you to say, you know what, I'd, I'd I'd rather suffer these consequences than I would be in a wrong relationship with God. Number two, 
when you believe what, what the Bible tells us about Jesus, that he's good, that he's faithful, that he's dependable, that Philippians 4.19, here's a promise for you, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. When you believe that, you know what you, you can do? You can say, you know what? If I answer it this way, I may lose some money. If I answer it this way, if I fudge, I may save some money. But you know what? I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather be honest and lose the money and trust God to take care of me. You see, by learning Christ, by saying, you know what? I'd, I'd rather have Jesus backing me than I would back myself. I'd, I'd rather have Jesus take care of me than I would take care of myself. Folks, by, by knowing Christ, by learning Christ, we, we put off the old self and we put on the new. What's it mean to put on the new man? Well, let, let's, let's finish up there. Put on the new self. What does that mean in verse 25? Put away falsehood. And then, then the putting on the new is this. It's the second part of verse 25. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Speak the truth with his neighbor. Now, obviously, speaking the truth with your neighbor is speaking the truth about money, uh, about conversations, about homework, about whether you completed the job, about why you lost the job or you got in trouble or what expenses are work-related, what expenses aren't work-related. All of those nuts and bolts things of life. However, I want to take that first. Okay, because the Bible says, speak the truth to your neighbor. Okay, we ought to truthfully describe the reality of our lives. Okay, I believe the Bible is telling us to actively speak truth about life. Speak in ways that accurately portray the reality of our situation, that paint the world as as it truly is. What's the reality of your life as a born again believer? What is that? What is the reality of your life? Psalm 118.24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's the, that's the truth of God. Psalm 63.3 says, your steadfast love is better than life. The, the reality of this world and of our lives is that God's love is better than anything in this life. Philippians 4.19, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Romans 8.38 and 39, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, things to come, Powers, height, depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, let me ask you this question. Just those verses right there, okay? Small sampling from the promises and the truth of the Bible. The way the Bible paints life, okay? From those verses, do your words say those things? Are you speaking truth to your neighbor? Speak truth to your neighbor means... Speak in ways that create an accurate reality about yourself, about your work, about your family, about your relationships, and about the world. Are you speaking truth to your neighbor? Let me ask you this. On the way to school, when you take your kids to school, if you're like me, you take your kids to school, when, when, when you're talking about lunch and who got their homework done and about soccer practice, do you speak in ways that communicate, hey guys, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. I'm not saying, do you say that verse? Hey, saying that verse is a good idea, by the way. But, but I'm saying, do your words communicate that? Do they communicate that? When, when, when you talk to your spouse and when you talk to your family about your bills and about your financial situation, do those words speak the truth about who we are as believers? Do they say... Do the words that you say, and I know you got to talk about, hey, did this get paid? Did that get paid? You know, ooh, we're late on that. Well, how are we going to get the money? I know you got to talk about all that. But as you talk about that, are, are you speaking in a way that creates a reality that says, look, family, the Bible says, Jesus promises, my God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. We're following him. We're seeking him. We're praying to him. 
Do your words say that? What's, what's the reality about your child? Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Speak the truth. What, what, what's the Bible say about kids? Many of you got kids. Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with him. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Is that the way you talk about your kids? Is that the truth? When you're talking with your neighbors about, about your kids, when you're talking about children, you know, here's the reality. The Bible says they're, 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 they're gifts of God. And you're a steward of, of what belongs to Him. And they're to be cherished and nurtured. Is that the way that your words describe the reality of what it is to take care of kids? Paul pleads with us to speak the truth to our neighbor. Finally, why? Look at, look at verse 25. Because we are members of one another. What, what are, we're the body of Christ, aren't we? That's what we are, right? Jesus is the head. We're the body. So, if I lie to you, that's, that's, like, that's like your foot lying to your eye. Or your eye lying to your foot. Right? That's a bad deal. Isn't it? If, you're, if your eye says to your foot, man, you're, you're five feet from the ledge. And you're only six inches. That's a bad deal. Who's it a bad deal for? Just the foot? It's a bad deal for everybody. That's the picture that Paul's painting. We're members of one another. We're, we're connected. I mean, I don't know if we realize. You know, we got small groups and we're, we're in these groups and we're in these relationships. And many of us, many guys were together last night at graduation things. You'll be get together later. But I don't know if we realize how we are connected as a church. What you do and how you live influences me. And what I do and how I live influences you. We're the body of Christ. And the body should not lie to each other. You know what lies do? Lies damage trust and lies damage relationships. I've told my kids over and over again, man, one of the worst things you can do here in the family is lie. Worse than rebellion? I think it is. Worse than drinking? I think it is. Worse than out knocking over mailboxes or whatever we, you know, do, throw, throwing bottles, toilet paper, houses, I, I, you know, all these things. Is it worse than that? You know, and, and I know that's kind of hard to put together, but I, I think it is. Here's why I think it is. When, when you lie to me, what you say is, I don't want you to know me. Think of that in a family. I don't want you to know me. I don't want you to know who I am. I'm going to hide that from you. I'm going to keep that from you. I'm going to keep you out of my life. I'm going to create this false reality about myself and about me that shuts you out. As a dad, that's frightening to me. More frightening than the rebellion I might know is, is my kid saying, you're out. Folks, relationships are built on self-disclosure. But listen, listen to what Jesus says. What, what did God do when he wanted a relationship with us? He revealed himself. Isn't, isn't that what he did? He, he sent his son, God incarnate, to the world. John 15 Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. What does it mean to be a friend? Listen to the next phrase. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. What's friend do? Friend discloses. Friend says, this is who I am. 
But folks, when, when we don't do that, we hinder relationships. Amanda, hinder relationships in the church is a big deal. Quickly, does that mean we disclose everything? If I think Billings looks silly in his shirt today, does that mean I have to tell him that? Which I think he looks really fine, by the way. He's, he's a good shirt, okay? But if I thought he looked silly, does that mean I need to tell him that in front of you? Know, it doesn't mean that. If, if, you're, if you're angry with someone and, you know, or they don't even know it maybe, um, you just, I don't know, you hate them. You don't like their personality. Does that mean you've got you to tell them that because you need to be honest? You know, what, you know what you need to do? You need to deal with your sin. You know what you need to do? You know, there's a higher priority here all of a sudden, okay? Because what you think and feel is not right. You shouldn't hate anybody. You shouldn't be mean. You shouldn't be unkind. You shouldn't be crude. You shouldn't be petty, okay? So, so honesty does not mean you air all of your junk, okay? It doesn't mean that. It means you don't deceive, okay? We don't deceive because we're the body of Christ. And if we lie about another believer, we cause the body to treat that believer in a way that's wrong. And we damage the church. If you lie about yourself, you cause us to treat you differently. If I lie about who I am, you know what I've done? I shut you out of my life. There's pastors that have done that, haven't they? They lied about where they're at in their spiritual walk and who they are. And you know what they did? They shut out all the guys out of their life. So that the guys in their life don't know where they're at. And you know what, that, you know what happens then, right? You get on TV and it's bad. We don't want to do that. And if you're lying to the church, then you're hurting the body of Christ. If you speak falsely about life, about family, about Christianity, if your attitude is just one that always portrays something that's not true, man, you you damage the church. Man, it's good to put off falsehood. And it's good to put on truth. Let me tell you, make that happen today. It's good to come clean. It's good to confess your sin, especially the sin of lying. You know why? Because a lie just hangs there. Have you ever noticed that? It just hangs there. It doesn't ever go away. When you lie to somebody, all of a sudden you, you change that relationship. You distort it. And it, it just sits there. Every time you, you go to that person, you have this distorted relationship with them. Man, it's, it's good to come clean with the Lord, with others. It's good to be a person of truth. Let's put off lying today. Put off falsehood and let's put on truth. Let's speak truth. Father, we thank you for being truth, Jesus. We thank you that we can count on you to speak truth to us. We can count on you to to tell us the truth about life and about salvation and about forgiveness and about joy and about everything in life. And Father, we pray that you would help us to put off lies. Lord, we're, we're bombarded with this every day, everywhere, in our jobs, in our families. And I pray, Lord, that as you work in us, that, that your spirit would work to make us people of truth. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.